hope that you feel welcomed and right at home. Um, raise your hand if you'd like a Bible. Stephanie's going to be continuing our, ser- our series in James today. And if you'd like, someone can hand you a Bible. One of our ushers, page 847 is where the book of James is. It's a small letter at the end of the Bible, page 847. Also, if you're seated on the aisle and there's a basket under your seat, would you take a minute and grab that and pass it down? And if you would like to fill out an information card, you can do that. Those cards are in the baskets. This is just a way for us to hear prayer requests, um, which we pray over on Mondays at our staff meeting or to receive updated email information. So we'll collect those a little bit later in the morning. Before Stephanie comes out to speak, let me just share a a quick thought. Um, I, I realize, and anyone who takes any time to think about it would realize the same thing, that in a community like this, on any given Sunday, there are people who are just about to approach the storm. They see it looming. They know something challenging is right up ahead. And then there's people who are right in the middle of a challenge, right in the middle of a battle right now. I know that for several of you, a a specific, intense challenge. It might be health. It might be a decision. It might be a relational riff. And then there are people in a community like this who are on the mountaintop, and they've received clarity, and they've just overcome something, and uh, there's a unity in their life, and there's a, a joy that they're just sort of being buoyed by right now. And, and that, that's true any Sunday where we're, some of us are heading into it, some of us are right in the middle of it, and some of us are right on the top of it. And that's why it's so important, friends, that we do not in, um, uh, approach church as entertainment, but that we approach this gathering as sort of part training, part inspiration, part nourishment for the battle, part I'm here for somebody else's battle, I I hope you won't sit back, relax, and enjoy the service, frankly. I hope you won't do that. I hope instead that you will wholeheartedly engage in the singing of the truth, in the preaching of the word. It is fuel for our souls in the celebration of communion and the presence of Christ here with us, and in the opportunity to respond by giving your life over to Christ again this Sunday. So let's engage with our whole hearts this morning so that we can receive what we are designed to receive in this gathering and so that we can give back the kind of glory and honor that we were created to give back in this, in this gathering. Amen? Amen. All right, we're ready to rock and roll. I need a couple things real quick. Just, uh, sorry. Um, what were they? It wasn't my turn to preach, and I felt like I needed to. So the Axiom is a youth center that we partner with. We helped start it last summer, and during the passing of the peace today, there will be an opportunity to partner with the Axiom. You'll hear more about that. Just want to kind of peek that in your minds. Also, there's a work day for single moms coming up. I'll tell you more about that, um, and there will be an opportunity to sign up to serve on a Saturday coming up. So think about that as we get started. Uh, ways to support, ways to serve with your time. Would you welcome with me um, one of our board members here at Emmaus Church Community, Stephanie Van Tassel. Thank you. Woo. Preaching it up. You sure you don't want to stay up here? Yeah, you're up. Okay. Um, yeah, as Nate said, my name's Stephanie. I'm one of the board members here. I love this church. I love being part of this community. And if you don't recognize me, even though I'm on the board, it's because I've actually been gone for six consecutive weeks. 
Um, it was just one of those amalgamations of business trips and things that I needed to do. Um, I actually got a chance to go to Hong Kong and Cambodia and the exotic land of Illinois. So, yeah, I, I've been all over the place. Um, when I was in, thank you, thank you. We're going to get craftsy late, later, so I need my pens. Um, but when I was in Cambodia, I wanted to let you know um, that I had a chance to visit the projects that you were able to invest in with your Christmas offering. I got to see the uh, children that have been rescued out of exploitation, and what a beautiful place to be. They had just recently rescued 12 new children, and it was beautiful, so I wanted to make you aware. This is totally plugging here, but there's an AIM family gathering. This is Agape International Missions, the organization that I work with. And they have a local event where you can hear the founder who's coming from Cambodia, as well as the story of a rescued girl. She's going to be telling her story. Um, and this is all going to be held locally at Adventure Christian Church, May 3rd or 5th at 6.30 p.m. Nobody's writing this down. It's concerning to me. No, no pens. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, yeah, so we would love to have you there. It's really going to be a powerful time. Um, so as I said, you know, I fasted church for Lent, and no, I'm just kidding, I didn't actually do that. Um, but, you know, the exotic land of Illinois, um, I, I will say I'd never eaten at a Cracker Barrel before. So, yeah, I know, we have the people from the Chicago lands that are just appalled. But, um, yeah, so I ate there for the first time and the second time and the third time, so I, I liked it. It was really, it was good. Um, so as Nate mentioned, we're in the middle of a series of the book of James, and this is a manual on how to live, and this is the now do this because we're trying to make it extremely practical. I'm taking it out of the ethereal, out of the theological, out of the just thinking about it and putting it pen to paper. We're really trying to dig in and see what this is, and today we're going to jump right into one of the most fundamental discussions of the human condition. This is so fundamental that this is something that every religion addresses on earth. In fact, I would argue that if you don't address it as a religion, you aren't actually a religion, because today we are talking about the issue of temptation. It's a little bit dramatic, but the reason... <laughs> The reason I wanted to start there is because everyone has a connotation when you hear the word temptation, and it's usually negative. So today I'm going to try to address some of those things. Um, let's just buckle up. Last time I spoke on peace, so you guys are like, we thought you were the softball preacher. What are you doing? Um, so today what I want to address are four crucial questions here. Uh, where did the temptation come from? Where does it lead? What does it say about us that we are being tempted and how can we overcome? So these are all things that we can actually dig from this section of scripture in James. So let's jump right in to chapter 1, verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So here we're already addressing that first question, where does temptation come from? And we hear very clearly that it does not come from God. Um, this is a good, the way I was thinking of it is sometimes I think that we misappropriate God. We think of him as like the undercover boss. Have you guys seen that TV show where the boss dresses up and he like kind of 
skulks around to see what his employees are doing. And usually if they're doing well, he'll reward them, but if they're doing something you know, not so great, then he has to correct or, you know. And God doesn't do that necessarily where he hands, he holds out sin to us to see if we do the right thing so that he can reward us. He does bring us through trials, he does walk us through challenges, but he doesn't hold sin in front of us. This is a, an important distinction, and I know it's a little nuanced, but the reason I wanna go there is, um, I was thinking about this in terms of my nieces. I have a two-year-old niece and a four-year-old niece, and I'm wrapped around their fingers, and they, like many children, have this healthy appreciation for sugar. It's like all they think about. They can sniff it out, what is that? I don't understand. They'll, they'll come into my house. I remember one time I was getting a cup, and my, my niece Lainey, um, what's that? And in like the top shelf behind a mug, there was like a jar of, of lemon drops. And I had forgotten they were there, and she's like four feet shorter than me, and she spotted them. She knew they were there. So there's this appreciation for sugar, and of course, I as a healthy, loving aunt, I help meet that need in their life. Um, I carry Tootsie Rolls in my purse now, it's weird. Um, I, I enjoy those as well. So, um, so, uh, so when they are asking for sugar, sometimes I'll give the older one two pieces of candy to see if she shares with the two-year-old. And it's usually because I'm watching, because I know she's generous. And I want to, I want to encourage her in her generosity and in her love for her niece. So when I see it, I can applaud it and I can encourage it. Um, and then if she doesn't, I can correct it and I can help train. But I would never hold candy in front of her after we told her you can't have candy, we're about to have dinner. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see the distinction there? That's God. He doesn't tempt us with sin. So if God isn't tempting us, then who is? Who's this evil person that's tempting us? Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So that means the only person we can blame here, according to James, is ourselves. Ah, it's our flesh. It's our own desires. We're being enticed by our own sinfulness. This is not good. This reminds me of Paul when he's giving his Shakespearean speech about I, I, what I want to do, I don't do, and what I do, I don't want to do. Every time, I, every time I read that scripture, I think of Macbeth. It's like, it should be on a stage. He should be holding a skull or something. Um, it's just very dramatic, but it's so true. My own flesh tempts me. I'm my own worst enemy. And why does understanding temptation and where it comes from matter? It matters because of where it leads. If we keep going here in verse 15... After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So here what we really have is a recipe for death. Recipe for death sounds like Harry Potter, like what they're learning. But, you know, honestly, <laughs> it's not like one eye of newt and one hair of unicorn like for this recipe. What, the, what we're talking about is you start with a human you add temptation, let them simmer in their own fleshly desires, eventually they're going to sin, and then that will lead to death. Bon appetit. Like, it's just not, not a great recipe. But, but that's why temptation matters, because it begins a journey. 
it begins a journey to the worst place possible. But I want to add a distinguishing mark here that temp being tempted is not the sin. It starts off the journey. So the way I was trying to visualize this is when you're thinking about if, again, we're going on a journey, we're walking in grace. So here we're walking in grace, or we're, in this instance, driving in grace toward life abundant with Jesus. We're steeped in the grace of God. We're led by the Spirit. His presence is there. Jesus is there. And then we're tempted to change trajectory to be diverged from the path that we're on, the one that leads to death. And what's actually the temptation is the sign. It's the exit route. So these signs can look different. I mean, we see them all over the place. These temptations all over the place. But making the actual exit is the sin. It's not uh, the temptation. The sign isn't the temptation. So if the route is the way of obedience, what makes you want to exit is temptation because it points to another way. Uh, my sisters were both hiking. We were on a vacation. I think this is another Hawaii story. I swear, I don't go there that often. But um, my sisters were hiking, doing like an ocean hike. They knew that it led somewhere beautiful, like to a waterfall. But as they were on their way, they saw on this like rock, there was like chalked with handwriting, and it said secret beach with like an arrow. They're like, ooh, ah, like, this is amazing. Like, no one's seen it. You know, I don't think they processed, like, there's a sign, so it's probably not that secret. But, um, but they're like, let's do it. Let's go. So they went off the beaten path, very far off the beaten path, because eventually they started realizing there's no path. Like, where are we going? What's going on? And the rocks and the brambles began giving way to these sharp volcanic rocks that as they're working around them, it's like mission impossible, you know, like trying to not, not get cut by the shards. One of them broke a shoe. And then as they come around another corner, you know, they just keep saying, secret beach, this is going to be great. Um, they came around one corner, and my sister told me she was mortified because at the top of this sharp rock was just like blood and a sock. And they were like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> what have we done? They're like, let's keep pressing on. This is going to be a great story. So then they keep going, and at the end of their route, they come, there's no beach. It's, this, it's just like an impassable, like brambles, it's like a thicket. There's no way to get to the ocean, and they're just, they're just upset, they're mystified. They come back to the main path, and they run across someone who's, who was local, said, what's up with that? Did we take a wrong turn? And she, she kind of giggled and said, oh, that's a trick we play on tourists. <laughs> I was so glad I wasn't with them because I love making fun of them for that story. <laughs> but that's a great example of temptation. Temptation's that sign that says there's something better over here. There's something nobody else knows about. There's a better route. You should come this way. Now, I love using illustrations. I, I love telling stories. But there's a way that temptation is not like a road. Uh, when you think about turning off and you sin and you're headed toward death, it sounds like an impossibility to get back on a road. And it also makes it sound like once you've abandoned that path in front of you, you will never be able to redeem yourself and get back to where you are. That is the miracle of Jesus. 
that every time we sin, every time we're tempted and we take that route, there is a way to miraculously be back. Right? This is the beauty of his resurrection power. We don't need a GPS to slowly get ourselves back to the route. He can miraculously transport us. That's why resurrection, that's why life from death was the only way to completely redeem us before God. It had to be a miracle. So, if we understand now where it comes from, where it leads, what do we do about it? How do we defeat temptation? That's the big question here. So today, I'm going to get craftsy. I couldn't find a flannel board or a flannel gram, so I'm going to use this. But here we're going to put together ideas. Like I said, we're going to be insanely practical today. Um, you have an idea board in your notes. And what I want you to do is, as we're talking about ways to defeat temptation, I want you to just write down things that really speak to you. How is the Holy Spirit showing you? This might actually practically help you as you're battling temptation. So I'm going to throw them up here as I start talking about them as well. And we'll slowly add to our lists together. So the, the image that Nate chose for today, defeating temptation, you probably saw it as I breezed past it, was the uh, knockout that was happening in the boxing ring. And I love Rocky. I love the Rocky saga. I own every single one of the movies except Creed because I can't yet. But I watched it on a plane. Oh, gosh, it was so good. I was actually weeping in my seat. The, the flight attendant came by and was like, ooh, did you want another water? I'm like, I'm fine. Bring it in. It's, it's so powerful. I love it. Um, but, the, but the reason I love that analogy is because the first step that we need in defeating temptation is getting in the fight. When I think about the, um, the litany of ways that I'm tempted, I think there are some of them that God has really done a knockout. Like, I've been able to arrive in victory. It no longer tempts me. Like, when I see that sign, I no longer want to go there. It's like, you, you know, when you see Chuck E. Cheese now when I'm driving past it, it's like, I don't even want to go. Praise God. Like, I've been freed. So, <laughs> amen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know how to go there all the time. Um, yeah, so, so there are some things that God actually helps you claim a victory and you no longer are tempted. Uh, but there are some areas that I'm tempted that I've been fighting for a long time. It's been a long fight, it's been a good fight, but I'm in it every day. There are others that I occasionally feel like participating in. Some I haven't even entered the ring yet because I don't want to, or I don't even see them, or fill in the blank. So when I think about those areas of temptation, I know that the first thing that I'm hearing from the Lord is to get in the fight. I want to take an assessment here where are the areas that I'm tempted? And what if I not even started even building a battle plan to defeat? And that is really what we need to do. After we assess our situation, we decide that we want to fight, is to build a battle plan. And the first step in building that battle plan is avoiding temptation, to avoid. And I'm going to put battle plan over here. I'm so tall. I'm only going to write at the top of the board. Um, okay, so really what I'm referencing when I say avoiding temptation or avoid temptation is really the cry of Jesus when he says, 
lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. And I know a lot of us identify with this when we have children. There are some temptations that you want to protect your child from because they're not capable of avoiding, right? There are also some things that there's just need, you are needlessly being tempted. What's the point? When you're detoxing, don't drive past Starbucks. Like, there are triggers to the struggle that you can simply avoid. And avoiding them does not mean that you're not defeating them. When you avoid them, you are defeating your temptation. So assess your situation here. What is it? Not turning the TV on, not turning the computer on, not calling somebody to talk about somebody else. Like, what is it that you can just avoid a temptation? You know, every time I start that route, I end up over here. I don't even want to see the sign. I want to avoid it. Uh, the second point here, uh, another way that we can strategize in our battle plan to avoid or to defeat temptation is resisting temptation or to resist temptation. These are the big points that I'm just going to stick over here. My handwriting is way better than it looks right now. I'm just going fast. So this is where the rest of James is really helpful for us here. Um, it shows... Can you guys hear me? What just happened? Okay. Um, in James 21, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So if you aren't sure what's right or wrong, it becomes really hard for you to defeat temptation. You won't even see it coming. Um, if you know the word, if you do what it says, then when you're tempted, you can make that choice quickly. Um, getting rid of that moral filth, again, when you're full up of the word of God, you're full up of what is beautiful, honorable, pure. Um, it's a lot easier for you to say no quickly to a temptation. Um, I recently heard a, a, uh, or read an article or a report um, that said that decision-making, making choices, several choices throughout the day, can actually um, make your self-control go down. So by the end of the day, you're unable to make good decisions. Isn't that interesting? So what I'm hearing when I hear that report is the more roads you have to choose, the higher probability you're going to make a bad choice, <laughs> right? Um, that's interesting when we're talking about avoiding temptation, but it's also when we're resisting that temptation, if we know the right way to go, we can make that choice quickly and move on. So I'm going to put know the word up here. This helps me. Bam. Okay, and then this is something, um, this is kind of unique, and I don't know if this will help any of you, but this helps me. When I'm being tempted and I'm actually conscious of it, I say it out loud, and here's why. Um, it kind of breaks the, the spell for me. Uh, when you start thinking about something that you're, you want to do that's wrong, what happens for me is it becomes this evolution of thought where you're kind of searching for a justification. And you're trying to find a way where God could, God could let me get away with it or it's not really going to hurt anybody. It's okay. And if I say it out loud, what ends up happening is I'm engaging in a spiritual warfare. I'm no longer tacitly going along with whatever my flesh decides it wants to do. I'm recognizing I am about to make a choice. 
I am not the only one who has a say in this. God gets to have a voice in what I'm doing right now. He's the one who's leading. My life for him, he gets to make the choice. Help me, God. It's the way I kind of start a prayer. It's the way I kind of process a journey. Um, And this, I find, is really powerful because, first of all, I can start realizing, ew, this is gross. If I say it out loud, it kind of like, are you actually going to do this? No, that's gross. I'm not going to do that. So it puts it in perspective, and I can just move on. I don't have to continue to dwell on it. But here's here's the other reason that this is powerful, at least for me. I am allowing the spirit of the living God to intervene. I am inviting in the spirit to take the lead and my flesh to die. It's one of those moments like those, I don't know, it's like those, it's just like otherworldly. Because most, most of the time when I engage in this process, I see God do something miraculous where I could not have said no, but he helps me to say no. I could not have said yes, or he helps me to say yes, whatever the temptation might be. And in that moment, I might feel weak in my flesh, but I feel powerful in the spirit. You can feel heaven coursing through your veins in that moment where you're like, I am otherworldly. I am an alien of this world like Thor. You know, like you're walking the world. You're capable of things beyond what you are capable of. Does that make sense? It actually, for me, becomes a very powerful process. And um, I want to kind of supplement this um, by saying that I started adding to this process uh, praying a because when I'm, when, I'm bring, when I'm bringing what I'm being tempted to or tempted to do before the Lord. So, so here's an example. I would say, God, I'm being tempted to steal this money from the cash register. There's not a cash register where I work, but I'm just using this as an example. And I could stop there, and then God could help me move on. But if this keeps happening, I usually will start saying, because. Because I am tempted to believe I deserve it. I am tempted to believe my boss does not appreciate me. I am tempted, you know, so I talk about the other temptation that is helping me justify the reason why I would sin. Are you guys following me? Why is this important? I think this is extremely important. The because says more about our faith than it does about the sin. The because is always how our flesh plans to justify disobedience. And this is key. This is key when we're strategizing a battle plan against temptation because these are our reasons that God can help us reshape through the truth of his word through the Holy Spirit, through his community. He can help us become new people and our becauses will disappear and change. Amen. So I'm going to put up here, say it out loud. And also um, follow the because. This kind of is also similar to um, Nate's message on questioning the questions. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that message, questioning the questions, listen to it. It's excellent. All right. So uh, the last thing that I want to talk about in terms of another way for us to uh, build our battle plan for defeating temptation is, oh, let's skip that one. 
revealing temptation. Um, Nate, Nate made this point to me while we were talking about it this week. Um, how did the, uh, the account of Jesus being tempted by Satan um, in Matthew, when he was out in the wilderness fasting and he was tempted and taken up on the mountain, and you know, how did that end up in the Bible? Jesus wasn't the one writing Matthew. It was a man named Matthew. So I, I'm a scholar. I figured that out. Um, so how did Matthew find out? How did his disciples find out? He must have told them. So Jesus didn't have any shame. He didn't have any qualms. He didn't hold back when he was revealing to his trusted community what he was being tempted by what the strategy of the enemy was to take him out, to lead him on the wrong path, to take him to death, to have him not live an abundant life, to take away his freedom, to entangle him in sin. He shared it with the people closest to him. Why? Because there's power. There's encouragement. We hear from God, from his word, from his spirit, and from his people. So when we exclude his people from that part of the process, we're taking out an entire avenue where God could reach us, encourage us, lead us, commune with us. This is vital, friends. And I think this is also where I really, really strongly, if there's one thing you take away from this, I would pray it would be this, is that understanding your temptation is not a sin will help you engage your community to battle your temptations. Now, should we feel like we can't share sins with our community? No. I, but I do think that that's one way that the enemy keeps us from engaging with one another. And there are three things that I really feel like can also prohibit us from sharing our temptations in our community. The first would be pride. Feeling like, I can do it alone. This is just, this is my issue. The second would be feeling like it's wrong. I'm being tempted. This is wrong. So I don't want to share something wrong. A third one would be, this is a temptation that I have because I've, I have followed this and I've sinned here before. And if I share this temptation and that I need a battle plan here, I'm going to uncover my sin and it's going to be embarrassing. Friends, none of those are good enough reasons. None. Not one. And I would argue if you cannot share your, your temptations with your faith community, you do not have a faith community. Do you hear what I'm saying here? That's the entire reason that we have each other, to encourage and build one another up. So I really am praying that you'll be able to push into this, do this together, um, and that we can grow in this as, as a community. I'm going to write these up here just to stay consistent. Um, I put in your notes um, some prompts for you this week when you're in your small groups of um, how you can engage in this conversation, just like a starter kit, so nothing super deep or anything. But this is really your chance, friends, to dig deeper and to allow God to help you gird up your battle plan against temptation. Um, the, the last thing that I want to mention um, is something that I skipped over, but I want to go back. 
And that's James 1.27. So this is the scripture at the end of this passage, at the end of this chapter. Religion that God our Father accepts as as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Why am I linking this in with our discussion about temptation? Because I want you to help put it in perspective that it isn't just about you when you're dealing with temptation. There are people on the other side of your obedience. There are people that are praying for you. There are people that are relying on you. And remembering that me defeating temptation is not just in a vacuum between me and God. This is part of me participating in God's kingdom on earth. And it matters. It matters how I respond, what I do. So, um... Um, there are people on the other side of your obedience there's power through your obedience we can defeat temptation and live abundantly amen okay let's pray together Um, father god we thank you for your word we thank you for the power of the resurrection that makes things like our daily temptations something that we can address and see you completely transform and be the victor over God, thank you for this community that you've given us, that we can engage one another in this battle. And Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads and guides us down this path of everlasting. Lord, we ask that you would take us on this next level, that we would be warriors in this, that you would help us defeat temptation in those areas that we haven't even gotten in the fight yet. We believe, Lord, that you are capable. You are our hope. You are our vision. We believe, God, that you have the power to overcome and defeat in us and through us. Lord, have your way in Emmaus. Have your way in our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, yeah, I'm doing the next part too. <laughs> Professional. Um, so uh, one, of the plays, one of the ways that we do engage in community here is through the passing of the peace. Uh, we take this time to share together. We